Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha and notebook. Let's dive in. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited for today's topic. I have Brandon Faust, who is a mold remediation expert, joining us today. And we are going to talk about how mold growth is linked to disease, especially chronic health problems and even death. But he's also going to talk about where mold comes from, what it is, and how to hopefully prevent it from growing in your home in the first place or moving forward. So, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely, Mary. And I'm glad to, very glad to be here. So, you know, any chance I get, to, you know, any opportunity I get to talk about mold and what it can do something, it's a good day, you know, it's, yeah. it's surprising because it was never a subject that I thought I'd be so interested in, but I'm pretty much a certified mold nerd now, but even if I don't like to admit it, you know, <laughs> but it is such an important subject. It absolutely is. I've um, been really narrowed in on chronic disease for about the last five to six years. And even here in Phoenix, mold toxicity is a, is a, a very common thing. And I think it's just really misunderstood because like the EPA and all this stuff say, oh, it's so dangerous. And then doctors are like, unless it's toxic black mold, eh, you're fine. And we all know that that's not true, right? I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners today and how you got into mold and mold remediation and becoming a mold nerd. And, you know, let's just kind of walk people through the process <laughs> of what it is, wh why it's not good for us, how to prevent it from growing, all those things that you are just so passionate about sharing. Absolutely. So I, I think the whole occurrence was a bit serendipitous or fortuitous in the first place, because, you know, initially I was not interested in getting involved in this career path at all. And believe it or not, probably a year earlier, my wife had said, we should get a mold test for our house. And I was like, I'm not spending the $400 on a mold test. Absolutely not. We're not doing that. And uh, she was right. Of course, woman's intuition, it tends to be something that at this point in time, I've learned you really need to listen to, you know, because more often than not, she's kind of had these hunches about things going on or people that we're working with. And, you know, lo and behold, a few months later, <laughs> having to eat crow and say, yeah, you were right. That was definitely something I should have listened to you about, you know? So, um, you know, it started with a friend of mine who had um, had an opportunity to basically take over a business that was doing um, what we would call demolition-free mold remediation. And at the time, you know, I thought this was an incredible idea I mean, the initial response was, no, I don't want to be a mold guy. But then he was like, well, there's equity involved if you get involved. And I was like, okay, well, my interest has changed. So I, you know, <laughs> you have my attention now. <laughs> so, you know, I thought it was a good business opportunity. So I had to start getting the training and certification for, you know, the mold classes and started to learn this, this world. And, 
it was it was fantastic because and this was kind of a bad thing that turned out to be a good thing but my son at a month old was waking up struggling to breathe like almost mm-hmm. like as if he was having an asthma attack three mm-hmm. days in a row and my wife Karina was at that point in time she was like we're going to the emergency room there's something up going on right, right. so I said look, it's a breathing issue. So it could be an environmental trigger from everything I've learned in these classes. Let me do a deep dive on our home. So I started looking under different, you know, cabinets, vanities, places where there's water. And I moved this one shelving system that was behind, it was like basically up against the bathroom wall on the other side was the bathroom. And as I move it, I see two feet uh, fuzziness like white and green mold two mm-hmm. feet either way so it's like four square foot of you know a mold called aspergillus penicillium and in that same room was the air handler that was basically you know a huge suction that occurs through a hand air handler so it's taking these mold spores and the toxins the biotoxins that mold produces and then blowing it and distributing it throughout the house. So that was like, wow, I can't believe I have this in my own home. We fixed the leak, cleaned up the contaminated material, got it out of the house and did a, you know, a cleaning of the room and then a whole home sanitization using this demolition free sanitization method, if you will, a dry fog. And I've come a long way as far as that's concerned, because I think that there is a time and a place for fogging and sanitization, which is crucial. But I also cannot recommend with integrity that the dry fogging as the magic bullet is actually a workable technique. I don't think that you can actually do that. In some cases, it works, you know, certain circumstances, but definitely not all of them, you know. But in this case, it did. In this case, it had a major change in regards to the breathing of my son. Because after I did this, we were using a non-toxic product, using this fogging system. My wife and kid were back in the home probably three hours, four hours after we got everything done. And the next day he slept an hour longer and he had no trouble breathing at all. It was like a black and white night and day total change. So that, that was a major epiphany for me. I was like, wow, that is incredible you know, that there was such a dramatic change. And then I started thinking about what would have occurred had we not done that, had we actually, you know, taken him to the doctors. And of course, there's a time and a place for, you know, Western medicine, but in this case, they would not have known what was going on. Mm -hmm. So how many tests would have he gone through? How many times would he have been poked or whatever they would have done with him? It could have been pretty traumatizing for the young lad. And I think about that and it's like, you know, there's a lot of issues that can go undiagnosed, misdiagnosed because you don't actually have the root cause. You don't actually have the thing that is causing the, tr- the problem in the first place. Yeah. And doctors don't think to test for that, especially in breathing problems at all. And even the even the ear, nose and throat doctors, right, that right. you would think or the allergen type doctors. You know, they're prescribing a steroid or whatever it is mm-hmm. where they should be looking into the environment. What's actually causing it? Yeah, I'm a, a I'm allergic to mold and I grew up with severe chronic asthma my entire childhood. And 
Um, it actually got better when we moved to the desert. Yes. You know, and then it got worse again when I moved back east. I went to college back east. You know, I went to Tennessee. I was in Tennessee and there's a lot of mold in the air yes. there. And I was on like two daily inhalers plus a prevental, you know, just so that I could breathe. My immune system was completely suppressed. And then when I graduated, I moved back to Phoenix and it all got better. <laughs> it was incredible. And then, you know, many years later, I, I learned about mold toxicity and, you know, I just kind of by happenstance kind of figured out how to, how to like detox it from my body. It was just kind of all on accident. And then I learned about like different foods. Like if you're sensitive to molds, all the foods and things. And I wish that that had been something they had looked at when I was a child so that I didn't have to suffer all those years with steroids and breathing treatments and hospitalizations and all of that, when really the test isn't, you know, even though there's the in-home test, but then there's also the test that you can get yourself, you know, to see if you have mold in your system, what types of mold there are and, and go from there. And yeah, it's not something that's commonly looked at or thought about even, you know, in places where there's a lot of humidity in the air. Exactly. Well, you take a place like Tennessee where there can be old buildings, right? And right. of course, of course, there's moisture. And a lot of people, you know, we don't have x-ray vision at this point. So you can't necessarily see behind the walls in, in terms of what's going on. But, you know, there's there's really like three stages of mold, if you will, that you want to be aware of. And one of them is colonized mold. So that's what you're seeing with the naked eye, right? You're seeing this kind of fuzzy stuff. And sometimes it's not fuzzy. Sometimes it's just little, they almost look like little mud specks or dirt specks. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it looks like this black velvet, you know? Um, it, it really depends on the mold. I've seen orange mold, purple mold, green mold, brown mold, white mold, you know? So it's, it's like the rainbow, right? But then there's the mold spore. And the spore itself can act as like a, a foreign invader into the body. So when you're inhaling the mold spore, just like when you get stunned by a bee or bitten by a mosquito, what are you going to wind up with? Swelling. So similar, right? The body starts to release a histamine. So you can wind up with swelling of all types of different body parts that can mm -hmm. of course lead to disease, right? Right. But then, then there's the aspect of it that most people don't know about, which is called a mycotoxin. So myco is the Greek word for fungus. So it's a poisonous substance released by a fungus and mold is a fungus. Mm -hmm. So it releases this to defend its territory. Mold is very territorial. It's like you got like the bloods and the crypts of mold that are fighting to defend their territory, right? So it's pretty intense, like this mold warfare that can take place. And when you get in the crossfire of it, it's not fun at all. You know, so right. these mycotoxins are 0.1 micron. So the naked eye stops seeing at 40 microns. A human hair is 70 microns. A mold spore is seven microns. So you can fit 10 mold spores on the tip of a hair. That's so scary so, to think about, you know, just to think that like, yeah, it's not just the fuzzy stuff, but it's all the stuff that it's releasing to protect itself and protect itself from other molds because it doesn't want other molds to come in because it's going to take their food source and they're trying to survive. That's it. It wants to survive just like everything else. And the fact that it has survived as long as it has 
means that it's got some pretty good defense mechanisms built into it. Otherwise, it wouldn't still be here, you know. So it is, and there's like a hundred thousand different species of mold, and there's probably fifty thousand here in the U.S. You know, and I'll see probably twenty five on a daily basis. But you know, when you look at at what it's releasing, and a lot of these mycotoxins are not explored. They're not the actual impact of these mycotoxins are not known. There's even if you do a mycotoxin test, they're only testing for like 15 of these different mycotoxins. Mm -hmm. But there's molds, like for example, cladosporium, which is a major infiltrator of the air conditioning unit, because it actually thrives in cold environments. So that particular mold, cladosporium, releases a mycotoxin that is really effective in terms of making people sick. So I'll walk into a home and if I have, they're like, look, the entire family has been sick for months and we can't figure it out. And we're all like, it's the same type of symptoms. First thing I'm doing is I'm going to the air conditioning unit. And I cannot tell you the number of times I found it. Oh yeah. Well, no wonder. I mean, look at how much growth you have in your air conditioning unit. Like it's literally made its encampment here and it is you know, having a party in your house and it's blowing all of its little progeny into the air, right? The spores and the gas, because it's constantly being agitated through the airflow. The airflow agitates it. So it's in a constant state of defense mode. And now your family is basically the you're suffering from it. So that makes me think like there, yeah, the tests are limited. There's a lot of different remediation techniques that are touted online and all of this stuff. So in your, I would love to just kind of maybe educate our listeners on remediation, why it's so important, maybe proper testing. Cause you know, there's like the type that you just kind of set out the Petri dish all over the house, maybe wipe some mm -hmm. walls, you know, so there's like these at home ones and then there's like, you know, the professional ones and are they worth it? Which one should they ask for? What types of questions should they be asking these remediation companies and what are their options for, you know, like the fogging that you were talking about, but what are some of the other options? Like, I feel like there's probably, if there people are thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds like me, you know, there's all these questions. So let's kind of maybe give them some guidance on sure. where to go from here. So the testing, the at-home tests are okay because at least you get a concept of what's in your air. The only problem with like the Petri dish, dish testing is that every home is going to have some mold spores. So just because you have, you know, some mold spores that are now starting to hatch and grow in the Petri dish doesn't necessarily mean you have highly elevated levels. And the thing that's Unfortunately, ironic about that is there are some people that is that are like the birds in the uh, coal mine, right? The canary mm -hmm. in the coal mine that are super sensitive. So the levels that might impact them are going to be different than somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had people living in homes that if somebody that was sensitive would go into that, they literally would kind of like be debilitated for days, you know? So each person is different. Now, so the testing is like, comparative there's not like a this is the number and then you're going to be too much you know so the most important test of all is actually the people test how are you feeling in that environment and if you leave that environment do you recover similar to you know you went back to tennessee got reactivated or however that went and then you came back to phoenix and then it was better mm -hmm. it could even be not just the environment it can be that individual home or even that individual room 
right? There might okay. be a problem in that one particular room. So yeah. you have to look at all of those different factors in regards to the, the home that you're living in or the environment that you're staying in. So are the Petri dishes, yeah, there's some data that you can take from it. The air sampling, well, is or should you use air sampling? The answer is yes, but also with the claws that look, those are not necessarily entirely effective either. They're about 70% inaccurate. So that's not a very good number, right? Because right. They, they're just capturing a snapshot in time, that air sample, or what's floating around at that point in time. So the mold may or not be sporulating. And the other thing that is ironic is that those those tests are spore traps. So they are only the guys that are looking at those samples are not looking, they're not able to see the actual mycotoxin. They're just looking at the spores. So mm -hmm. the thing that if you're going to treat a person due to mold toxicity, you're not treating them based on the spores, right. you're treating them based on the mycotoxins. Mm -hmm. So I would start with that test as your first test is probably from, you know, a company called Mosaic that does a mycotoxin test that is a urine test is probably the first test to determine if you're elevated in mycotoxins. But even then, like I said, it's probably 15 or so different they're not all of them, you know? Right. Well, and then just to kind of throw out in the testing, sometimes the body doesn't release them because the body's so yes. protective. So a, a practitioner will, you should have you take glutathione yes. or something before the test so that your body starts releasing the mice, the, my, the mycotoxins, because you can get a false yes. negative and still feel awful. And then you take some glutathione, your body releases it all, which makes you feel worse. Yes. <laughs> and then we're able to get a better snapshot. So, you know, it's just, I think this is where mold gets so complicated for people. And it's such a long journey because you have to have somebody who's well-versed in the testing to make sure that your body's releasing it all. But I love that you start there because if, let's say you get it done, you get it properly tested, you get the glutathione or the NAC or whatever, and you release those mold spores, and then you're able to determine if that's a problem. And then you don't have to go through all the expensive testing of your home. So I love that that's where you would start. I, I think that that's a fabulous yeah, plan. So that's the, <laughs> in terms of like, especially we're, we're a health centric mold remediation company at Mold Solutions, right? So our focus from the beginning mm -hmm. has always been how do we, you know, help people, right? So, you know, I was introduced to a lecture series many, many years ago called Dead Doctors Don't Lie from Dr. Joel Wallach right? I believe is his name. I think I was mm -hmm. like in my early twenties when I started listening to this. And there's a quote that I love, um, let food be thy medicine, you know, which is another concept that I think is a really powerful concept if you're getting the proper nutrients. So, you know, and these guys are always stressing like these types of people that think like that is root cause. What's actually the reason behind it. So to me, a health centric mm -hmm. mold remediation company was a good marry up because we had to put on our detective hat to actually really locate the source, the cause of the, the mold in the first place. So, you know, we're talking about mm -hmm. the testing end of it. So yes, there's the air samples, there's a Petri dishes, there's a dust test, which is a good test. I think the, the dusttest.com 
you know, has something uh, that you can use to kind of get a bit of a historical understanding of what's been in your home. Um, there's other tests that have like four letter words, you know, like the you know different alphabets, like the Ermi test, the Emma test. There's another one called the Hertzme test, you know. So there's data that you can get from these various tests. But I also am a very strong believer in the most important thing is having a inspector that knows and maybe not even an inspector because I, for me, I don't do the inspection. I do a free in-home evaluation for homeowners in Tampa Bay, but I leave the sampling up to somebody else so that there's not a conflict of interest. But first and foremost, I'm going to go in and with the knowledge that I have of the history of where mold loves to hide, I'm going to look there. And then I'm going to tell the inspector, do a direct sample on that. That looks to me like it's most likely colonized growth. Test it and let's see what it is and if it is organic in nature, you know. So now there's a little cheating test which you could do, which is you could spray it with a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. And if it starts to bubble, it's probably organic, right? So that's kind of like a little right. at-home tip that you can use. If you see something that looks like it might be moldy and it starts bubbling, it probably is organic in, in nature. So so that thing is really going into the home, looking, knowing where to find it and what to look for and what the patterns are. Because sometimes it can be really hidden. There's molds. I've seen ceilings that look like they're totally white. And then I put a, a black light flashlight up to the ceiling. And there's a different reflection of one part of the ceiling. And you start looking closer and it's got a moldy pattern to it, you know, which is usually like a dot that starts spreading its roots. And we test it and sure enough, it's a mold called aspergillus. Or you have almost like, a, I was in a place yesterday where and you can hear it in my voice, you know, that, that there was like a yellow, very slight off color on the cabinets in the shelving system. But there had been a lot of humidity in that room. And then we started looking deeper. And sure enough, we moved this one old um, picture painting and it was fully colonized in this yellow type of mold. So what happened is that that, is, that was probably the source that was probably brought in from somewhere. And then that room got really mm -hmm. humid and then it started to have a feast. It was going started it started to, thrive. to thrive and those spores yeah. were getting released and the mycotoxins were getting released. So the most important thing is knowing, having somebody who's got a good moral compass, who knows where to look, who can direct you or potentially uh, direct an inspector and say, hey. Let's test this. Let's see what's going on there. Also, cavity samples are good, you know, mm -hmm. where you can kind of poke a little hole in a wall in an area where there might have been a history of water intrusion and then test behind the wall mm -hmm. like that. That's easy to patch. And then there's another instrument called an Instascope, which I'm really excited about. I think the Instascope is the one that is going to be the go-to because that's almost like the transition of uh, film in a camera right? To mm -hmm. a digital camera where you could, that changed everything because you could get instantaneous feedback with the digital camera. So it made it so much easier to get a good photo because you knew, oh, I didn't get it on this shot. Well, the Instascope gives you that same instantaneous feedback. You can go into a room and you can find the hotspots using this little wand. And then it gives you readouts like on an iPad and it will tell you like, okay, you have, you know, elevated levels of a 2.5 micron particle in this area. So then, you know, okay, well, we, this is where we need to look. 
Awesome. So what you recommend is having somebody come in and do an evaluation and then having a deaf separate company do the testing to make sure that there's no conflict Correct. of interest. Okay. So one of the things that I have had people do on their own is they see the mold and then they bleach it. And we know that that I know that that is like the worst thing you can do, but let's tell people why bleaching is not a good option. Well, there's multiple reasons. And look, I'm going to tell you, even the product that we use, right? I would not just, let's say there was colonized mold. I wouldn't just go and spray it because what you're doing, it's like kicking a hornet's nest. You might get rid of some of it, but then you're going to agitate the rest of it. And then imagine if you're allergic to hornets, you know, and now they're going to disperse into any other parts of your home and you possibly, and this is where remediation gets a bad name, especially if you don't do it the right way, because you're cutting out or removing, let's say you go in there with a sledgehammer, tear out walls, but you don't have proper air control. You don't have proper containment. And now you just spread it through all throughout the house, these microscopic particles, you know, that then gets into the HVAC handler. And now they've gotten on the coils and the coils are wet. And now you have a colony in your HVAC unit. So just taking any product, much less bleach and hitting it with that is potentially going to set it into hyper replication mode and defense mode. So now bleach in itself can be a bit of a toxic substance and you will take the color out of the mold. But a lot of times what people will do is they'll take bleach to like, let's say their shower and bleach the mold. And three weeks later, they're wondering why it's back and it's even more intense, you know, Mm -hmm. well, they just took the color out of it, agitated it and then spread it throughout. And I've seen it where people have these cleaners and they're like, oh yeah, we had the cleaner scrub the mold in the shower. And then we handled it. And then a month later, they're calling us and like, it's back and it's way worse. Oh yeah, because she took the brush and she spread the spores to more parts of the grout. You know, mm-hmm. you've just spread the colony. So yeah. that's why it's not a it's not a good solution. Yeah. So DIY is probably not the best option because you have to have proper air control, you have to have proper containment. And you need to make sure you're not going to be breathing it in and it's yes. not going to be on your, you know, because it can get on your hair, it can get on your clothes, and then it can spread that way. Okay. So I'm really glad we addressed that. I have seen people suggest like, instead of bleach using hydrogen peroxide, mm-hmm. uh, is that the kind of the same problem though? There's still, it's still going to release the mycotoxins. It's still going to spread. It's still going to get hyper. It might destroy, you know, it might kill that part, but it doesn't kill all the parts where that as it's dying, it's shooting off to, to stay alive. So the best thing that you could use is probably a product that's going to foam that's going to suppress the release of spores right that's probably your best product okay but that is within a certain limitation like you know you have to look at it and go how much is here but even then it's like okay if i start getting mold on my oranges that have been sitting out for two two months Mm -hmm. okay well what's the source well, the source is you have a rot of food that is rotting and the mold spores are now breaking it down. Easy. You know, there's maybe a little bit of moisture in the air. We're going to get bag up the oranges, get rid of them. That's a done deal. If you have mold in your shower, you could go, well, we're going to just hit it with this foaming product and it's going to handle it. But where did the mold come from in the first place? Mm-hmm. So it took me probably about a year to figure this out where 
I was like, where's the mold coming from? Is it from behind the walls? Well, sometimes there's no mold behind the walls. So -hmm. where's it coming from? Uh, Oh, the air handler. Let's take a look at the system. Sure enough, you go pull off the panel to the air handler. And at least in Florida, we have these air handlers that are connected to the ducts in the house, right? Central Mm -hmm. heating and cooling. And you find out that the coils in the blower wheel, which is just above the coils, right, are covered in mold. So when that happens, then I look into the actual, the ducts, the the box that is called, it's called a plenum box, which sits Mm -hmm. on top of the air handler. And it's usually about an inch of duckboard, which tends to be fairly porous in nature. So you have wet wet water, like the wet coils, right, mm-hmm. with a blower wheel above it, spinning quickly, taking this moist air, blowing it up into the plenum box, which acts as like a sponge. So, of course, what are you going to have there? A massive mold, mold metropolis, you know, yeah. that is thriving. And now once it's in the the plenum box, it can then get into the ducts. And once it's in the ducts, you can start growing on your vents. And once it's there, well, then it can be in your shower. And now you go, oh, well, cleaning the shower is not really the point because you got to find the source, what caused it in the first place. You know, so that really is the part that is the most important thing when it comes to mold. If you want to keep your home free and clear of mold, this is the simplicity of it. Keep it clean and keep it dry. Okay. Those that that really is the simplicity of it. If you want to keep your home free and clear of mold, keep it clean, keep it dry. And if you have a water intrusion issue, do not handle it like do it yourself. Okay. Because that water went somewhere. So if you had 50 gallons of water that spilled out into your home and you did not extract 50 gallons of water where the other five gallons or 10 gallons or 20 gallons are hiding in some, some structure, some substrate there it's in the cabinets. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's where the mold is going to thrive is wherever it remains wet. For example, we just had this hurricane that came where the eye of the hurricane hit North of us, but we had this massive storm surge. So a lot of people, when they got back, well, they're like, well, the water's gone. Our place is dry, so it's not a problem, right? Oh, no. When you take thermal imaging and you start looking at the places that are still a different temperature, then you remove the wall and it's covered in mold behind it. And then the two by fours, they were still wet three weeks later. Like, of course, that's definitely enough moisture for mold to start growing. So you have to make sure that when you have a spill or there's a the toilet overflows or the uh, pipe breaks, you got to get it dried out by a professional with the dehumidifiers, the fans, mm-hmm. and all of those items. Because if you don't, you're going to have mold, you know, and then you're going to be wondering six months later why you're not feeling well. Right. You know, and right. You're, you're right. There are some of these molds it may not be instantaneous there's like the acute end of it in terms of how you Mm -hmm. feel itchy eyes congestion rashes headaches joint aches weird gut issues things like that but then there's more of the long-term illnesses that are like neurodegenerative like alzheimer's 
Parkinson's, you know, even some of the molds can be carcinogenic, things like that, that I think a lot of these sort of mysterious illnesses that they don't have a cure for. Well, yeah, if you don't get out of the toxic environment, if you had blisters on your hand from a fire and you kept putting your hand in the fireplace, how quickly would your hand recover? It's not going to recover. You know, it's going to stay blistered. Well, if you keep going into the toxic home, how quickly you're going to recover? You're not. You have to get the root cause. So that makes me think if we're talking about the air conditioning. So I live in Phoenix. We live and depend on air conditioning, right? So a lot of our units, I would say if you're in a newer home, the units are outside, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then they blow inside. But and then, of course, there's the older homes where they have the same thing where there's the air intake and, you know, they blow out and all of that. So let's say, OK, I'm dealing with this. How, who do I call to look at my air conditioner and what are they going? What is a good company going to tell me that they need to do when it comes to my air conditioning and my HVAC and my vents? Well, that is a brilliant question. And I can tell you that in Florida, this is very, it's kind of a bad situation because the air handling guys, like the guys that deal with AC, they're not allowed to say mold. It's actually against the law for them to promote that they handle mold. And the truth Mm -hmm. of the matter is they probably shouldn't because they don't understand mold. So a lot of times they'll be like, oh, it's no big deal. Put in this purifying device and it's going to handle all your mold problems. No, it's like taking a slingshot to a battle cruiser. You have to get rid of the mold first. And then yes, that purifier may make a difference. And don't get me wrong. I'm a, I believe in UV lights and purifiers. I think they absolutely belong in the air. I believe they belong in the system, but if the system is brand new or clean, and even then it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when. So you got to stay on top of it because where there's water, there's life. You're going to wind up with microbial growth. The UV light helps to break those particles down more rapidly to prevent them mm-hmm. from having a better chance of thriving. So the AC guys can't say mold and the mold guys are not allowed to touch the air handlers. They literally are not allowed to go into the AC unit. So I had to solve it by getting an AC license as a mold guy, right? And started <laughs> another company called Real Duck Cleaning to do to be able to remediate air conditioners because it was such a huge problem. So, I mean, I can, I can see the why behind it. Right. But to me, I'm like, well, why don't there, why can't there just be an extra license? Right. Like why can't an AC company have somebody get some certifications that way they can be the mold inspector, you know, and I can see, oh, it could be a conflict of interest. People are going to trust you, blah, blah, blah. You know, so I can see like, oh, we don't want companies to take advantage, blah, blah, blah. But that just seems like such a dessert. And you just got to love good the intentions versus the reality. Right. right. And, and the, the, you're handling the wrong problem. The problem is find somebody who has scruples, find somebody who has morals, you know, right. find somebody that is going to have a good repute and good reputation that is going to follow through with what they say they're going to do. Right. And if they right. say they're going to fix a problem, they fix the problem. Yeah. Cause like me, I'm going, cause I'm sensitive to mold. I'm one of those canaries in the coal mine. Like I'm one of the first ones to walk into an environment and go, I can't breathe. I have a headache. I don't feel good. And so for me, like I'm always wet dusting, you know, I'm always vacuuming. I'm always, you know, 
doing that. And I know the vents need to be clean, but it's like, you know, I don't know how much of a problem it would be like, say at my house where the air conditioner is outside. Right. And it's mostly dry or wet seasons, pretty short. Right. And so it's like, but yeah, like that's, that's kind of, that's frustrating. <laughs> Cause it, it now is. I'm like, I'm like, how do you find someone? Thank God for Google. Right. And just yes. research and, yes. and all of that. Cause I'm sure that every major city at least has one person with the same passion. Right. I, that, I hope so. Right. You find yeah, somebody like, who's got, who's like an indoor air quality specialist. And that's also potentially yeah. a service that, you know, there's some of us in the industry that are really kind of ho- health focused that you mm-hmm. can call and potentially get co- consultation. And even with technology today, there's things that can be done, you know, FaceTime, FaceTiming, going through a home, looking at all mm-hmm. the different places, finding somebody that on the on the ground floor that's there in that location on the ground that can actually help put eyes on the ground and then mm-hmm. handle it if there is a problem through good direction. You know, because okay. that's a that's a major part of it is finding somebody that is not just a remediator, but an indoor air quality specialist that understands mycotoxins, that understands Mm -hmm. how mold can cross-transfer, cross-contaminate a home, right? That's so important is knowing that in actual fact, remediation could make the problem worse if not done correctly, you know? Right, the root cause. Yes. And that just makes me think like, I love antiques. You know, and I love secondhand shopping and like all of that stuff. And I actually like, this is a little bit off topic, but it makes me think of it was like, I know somebody who got bed bugs from a used bookstore. They brought the book home and then the room became infested with bed bugs. And I can see mold being the same way. You get this like book or this painting or something. And like, then it just, you put it on in the wrong spot. Like it's a beautiful painting. You put it in your bathroom and then boom, you have a mold problem. Right. And I had a lady who had this $2 million home on the beach. Right. And this is her, like, this is her vacation home. Okay. They were well off. Okay. But she loved uh-huh. antiques as well. And she bought this cow, cowhide footstool that she loved. It was mm. beautiful. She brought it home, put it in the closet. The closet was almost like a room in itself. Came back two months later. The entire closet was full of mold. And then it had spread throughout the entire house, you know, oh, so oh. it, yes. So yeah. you really got to watch what you pick up. And then if you're going to bring it in the home, make sure that you sanitize it or disinfect it first, you know? Okay. Okay. That leads me to how would we do that? So I would do it outside to start with, right? Okay. Like and, leave it outside and let it dry. Yes, exactly. And okay. I would hit it with a product, probably a hydrogen peroxide or potentially even um, a vinegar that is okay. acidic enough that it can break down the mold. So spore. like they have those hydrogen peroxides with the spray. Yes. Like, could we just do something like that? Yes. We don't do anything with it. We can just kind of lightly spray it, wipe it yes. down and then leave it outside and, or, you know, maybe with a fan on it yes. or something and then also and just sunlight. like let it dry. Okay. And even sunlight UV, right. Is a made mold does not like UV, you know? Okay. So that's one of the things that I'm always looking for when I go into a home is like, if I was a, a mold spore, where would I want to hide? Where would I call it? In the dark, dark, moist. Be, yes. Under the yeah. bed, under the cabinets. And it's usually like you look in the cabinet, it's all good. But then you look under the cabinet, the drawer, and that's where it's hiding. Or you, you go mm-hmm. into a house and you're like, where's this mustiness coming from? You know, mm-hmm. then you remove the, the picture off the wall and it's covered in mold. 
behind the wall. So it's like, where is there not airflow? Where is there not ventilation? That's the other thing that's really important is proper ventilation, proper airflow. Yeah. I mean, this brings me to subject because I'm currently like right off the press. You know, we just got done with a book called Mold Free Living, Preventing Mold in a Humid Climate. And uh, oh, I'm so excited yeah. you have a book. Yeah. So your readers can actually download it. If Is that like. on Amazon or do you have a link that you can send me and I can put it in the show notes? Yeah. Moldebook.com actually. Moldy. Okay. Mold ebook. Is there a hyphen in there or is it just no, like one word? Moldebook.com. Okay. And you know, you could go, go on, download it if it's working yet. If not, they'll I'll get a notification or my staff will get a notification and we'll send them over the the book. Okay. You know, it was um one of these things that I because there's so many transplants here in Florida at this point in time, and people are like mm-hmm. leaving their windows and doors open, right? Right. And Literally, I had one extremely prominent doctor in Florida who recently moved here and his wife was practically debilitated, like truly could not operate, could not function. They have three boys, you know, usually bright, able, just moved into Mm -hmm. this house. It was this hundred year old house. They're from California. And before you know it, she's not able to operate. She's gone. Like she's like, And then they move out the house. She feels better. So then we start looking and we find out uh, you've had your windows and doors open for how long? So there was already a problem in the house. But now that you've had your windows and doors open and the relative humidity here is like over 70% year round, well, mold will start thriving at 60% relative humidity and higher. Now you've just given it everything it needs, water, oxygen, and nutrients. To start well, and growing. then it's like you want to have your windows open because of fresh air, fresh air, moose right. toxins, yes, and, you know all of that. So it's like if you live in a humid area, you almost need a home dehumidifier. You have to have a dehumidifier, yes. And then also maybe there might be some sort of like we open our windows in the morning and the evening, but then we keep them closed the rest. Of, you know, like there almost has to be some sort of kind of in florida or something in florida it is simply like december january and february you can open your windows and doors if it's not <laughs> the during rest of that the time, year don't do it now if you just want get fresh, the air purifiers, air purifiers get the... uv lights you know <laughs> okay yes because okay look it's just basic thermal dynamics right like hot right. is going to move to cold just let like wet is going to move to dry everything right. is seeking equilibrium so if you have a house that is, you know, 74 degrees and it's 94 degrees outside and the house is 45, you know, relative you 45% on the relative humidity scale and it's 85% on the relative humidity scale outside, it's going to move in. And with it, right. it's also going to bring mold spores because when you take a sample outside, it's like 10,000 on the Aspergillus penicillium, you know, mm-hmm. but if it's over like 500 or 600 on the Aspergillus penicillium inside, that's going to cause trouble for people. So, you know, you don't want to bring that in. So that's what the book, just to the point, that's why I wrote a book to like give some tips to people that are, you know, here in Florida and even the people that are like, you know, born and raised in humid environments, you don't necessarily get a chance to have that broad overview of having been in over 3000 homes or whatever it's been and looking in all the different places that you find mold and having opened them up and kind of discovered, Oh yeah, this is where mold loves to hide. Well, 
first things first, let's get to why mold exists in the first place, water. So how do we prevent it? Keep your home as free of you know moisture and other stuff that mold likes as possible. Awesome. This has been so helpful. And just like I said before we recorded, I would love to have you back on so we can take people deeper. I love that you're so health-centered in your approach to remediation and I mean, people you know, live in mold-free environments because it is so essential. And, you know, mold is very underlooked at as a root cause for multiple health conditions, you know, not just breathing, but I've seen it be neurological and chronic sinus infections and gut issues and all of this stuff. And so anything that we can do to help people feel empowered um, and educated is so important to me. And I actually follow you guys on Instagram. I know that you guys are on there and I've been following you for years. I was looking at that picture and I'm like, I've interacted with them. So I'm just really excited. (laughs) I will be sure to share how people can connect with you, follow you, get your ebook. Um, And then I would love to have you back on for us to take people deeper into this subject because I know you are just a wealth of knowledge. And there's just like, I, I see little snippets and I'm just like, God, this is so good. So I'm really excited to connect with you face to face. Oh yeah. I'd love, I'd love to be back. It's the point on Instagram mold dot solutions, right? That's our IG Mm -hmm. handle. Uh, My Mm -hmm. wife and I, we're a family owned company and you'll get to see my kids in there every once in a while because they we're raising them to be, to be mold nerds as well. My wife just, did uh, my daughter just did a little video about her Barbies and making sure that you keep your Barbies free and clear of mold. Oh, you know how many Barbie heads you pull off and there's mold in yes. there? Yes. Like it's gross. Yes, it's gross. So you got to dry them out, right? So Yeah, because, you know, you take them in the bath. Yes. And, you know, like I get the, you know, I have a baby on the way. And so like when you get the bath toys, I always seal the little holes yes. in them so that they can't like get the water and squeeze them and things like that. Because I, you know, the mold thing um, has been in my world for a long time. And so, yeah, there's just, that's so fun. Yeah, I'm so... I'm actually feeling very like kind of starstruck right now. I'm so excited to just have you share this amazing information with the audience and then to come back and we can take people deeper because I know that, you know, we're going to be able to talk about wet molds and dry molds and, you know, all this, all these other things that we can really just educate people on because I live in Phoenix. So it is dry here. And so we're going to have an issue, right? It's still an issue. Right. It's still an issue. And I can feel it when I walk into certain places, you know, like I was saying. So I am just so excited to be able to share, you know, your wealth of knowledge with with my audience. Well, next time I come on, I'll tell you about because I went through my own personal thing in 2019. And I'll talk to you about that because that for me was the pivotal pivotal point because I was telling you about demolition free mold remediation, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, there's right. a time and a place where it works, but there's also a time and a place that it does not work. And it can give you a false negative and you think you're in a, you know, a green zone you think you're in a safe zone and it's actually a biological warfare zone, which was what happened in my case. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that next time I'm on. That sounds amazing. Well, thank you again so much for being on and I look forward to having you back. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media, or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. 
be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www.roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash. Until next time, friend. Bye.